chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? The second passage is the fourth chapter of John, verses 19 to 26. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you. I am he. Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. As we think about these two passages, stories you may have heard, and you may have heard them quite some, quite a few times, we're going to take a different approach to them, do a little, um, maybe not, it's not about Nicodemus against the Samaritan woman, or it's not, camo versus yellow, but more of a little, not competition anyway, but more of just a contrast between the two individuals. The, these two life moments, a life moment for each of them, a life moment when they encountered Jesus Christ. And as they encountered, encountered Christ, two totally different individuals, so different, but yet both had this encounter with God's Son. There is a chance for each of them to have a life-changing moment with the Savior of the world. Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, he was powerful, recognized, and respected by all the other Jewish leaders. He would have been a man of confidence and self-sufficiency and, you know, proud of himself. But here we find him. He's visiting Jesus. He wants to meet Jesus. He wants to talk with Jesus. But yet he's not very brave, so he wants to meet with Jesus at night. 
when it is dark. This nighttime visit at Nicodemus it also included a private conversation, which was not normal for Pharisees. As we know, Pharisees, they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They wanted people to look at them and see them pray and watch them pray and strut around in their holy garb. Because Nicodemus, as you know, he represented that. The religious education, the religious educated, the religious authority, and the one that held up the traditions to the utmost. And the traditions had to be done just right. Now, as a pastor, we should not be like the Pharisee. And if we would find ourselves being like a Pharisee, we better find ourselves back at the foot of the altar. Because we cannot get in front of God's work at any time. We should not get in front of God's word or God's teaching. But yet, even as a pastor, we could read the Bible many times. And a passage could never fully be understood or completely understood. It can still speak to all of us at any time. So looking at this visit, I want to draw your attention to the dark. To the dark. To the night. We all can relate to this type of visit, I believe. Why? Because Jesus is Jesus. Nicodemus is Nicodemus. They both had schedules. They was busy. We all have busy schedules. We all have responsibilities. And Nicodemus, one, made it seem that he had a moment. He had a free moment right before bedtime. Right before bedtime when he could sneak out of the house or his little fancy room and get, get away from anyone that could be watching when the guards and anyone else would be, you know, settled down for the night. We would be like Nicodemus, wouldn't we? Want to approach Jesus with caution. Tiptoeing around the bend, through the alleys, through the woods, around the trees. With caution, but yet maybe with a slowness. Wondering, do I really want to meet Jesus? Do I really want to find him? Do I really want to talk with him? Only if no one else is looking. As we think about this, when no one else is looking, coming to Jesus, we all may have a tendency know that we need to come to Jesus. We need to have Jesus as Lord and Savior. But yet, we're slow sometimes. We're slow to really come to Jesus. Everything else in life is going 100 miles an hour. Everything else we do fast. Everything else we don't think twice about. We just do it. We just act upon it. But then we get dragging our feet. We try to get a little closer to Jesus, make sure nobody's looking around. And maybe, you know, it's in a place where they've got little, some information about Jesus or church has a postcard or, or something lay, laying on the desk. Maybe it's one of those postcards you're going to take home and put on the break room table. And, and maybe, maybe one of those co-workers are just going to go up like this. Just want to get, get that information in our back pocket. We'll look at it later. We'll check Jesus out later. We want him, but we'll, we'll just stick him in the pocket for now. 
Heaven forbid if somebody would see us. Heaven forbid if somebody would realize that we have a spiritual interest in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here we have Nicodemus, he, his thoughts, he's wanting to get, find out more about Jesus. But when nobody else is around, he doesn't want anybody else to see him. So he's planning, he's planning his trip, he's got a plan, he's putting it into action. And we read there in verse 2, he came to Jesus at night. Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. The word night is used throughout the Gospel of John many times, and it means so much more than just a period of time on any given day. The word night relates to darkness. This darkness reveals that it is something much deeper, something more true, something of reality than any clock could ever reveal. It's a state. Not just a period of time, but it's a state of being. It doesn't matter how many clocks you have. It does not, it does not matter how many timekeeping devices you have on you, a phone, a watch, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. It's not about the clock. It's not about the time. It's about the situation. Night is a metaphor as well, as a marker at this point in time in history. Yes, this point in time in history right now, for each of us, for our world, for our community, many people, majority of people, most people in this world are in the dark. They are in the dark when it comes to Jesus Christ. They're in the dark. Most of them like it, though. Most of them are satisfied with just living in the dark because the light scares them. The truth about Jesus scares them. Their lifestyle, their activities that are found in the dark, and when they find themselves in the darkness, they're fine with it. They're fine with the darkness. Up here at the roundabout, as you've been coming around, uh, do you enjoy seeing that big gush of fire going up in the air now? At different times of day, during the daylight, during the night, that, that, big, that fire is going sometimes higher than others. And we, we drive around there, my kids and I, we talk about it often. We, we find a little awe and amazement. You don't, you don't see anything, but you just see the fire. You see the tube where the gas is coming out, but you just see the fire. And still working on that. There's going to be a sermon in that, so stay, stay, stay tuned someday in the future about, you know, just seeing the fire. But Nicodemus is here, and he's looking for Jesus. And he has this conversation with him. And as we think about this darkness and that lifestyle of the darkness, I want to bring your attention to Judas for a moment. Remember Judas? How he betrayed Jesus? If you read on in John 13, 30, it says as Judas had taken the bread, you know, sharing that bread, sharing that meal with Jesus, as soon as he had taken the bread, he went out into the night. Into the night. 
The world loves darkness. Thinking that no one's going to see them. Thinking they're going to get away, from, get away with some of their evil desires or the lust of the flesh or those activities. Nicodemus, he begins the conversation with Jesus by saying, Rabbi. Rabbi, we know, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And when he says we, I question why would he say we? He's not being a very upright, brave man now, is he? He doesn't want to just say, I, I'm here to talk to you, Jesus. I want to know for myself. But he says we. And he's not surrounded by his Pharisee buddies, is he? It's at night. He's by himself. It's a private conversation. But you can go on and read about how Jesus responds. Jesus responds to much more than what Nicodemus had just asked. Because Jesus knew that there would be other questions coming on. So I just want to leave you there with Nicodemus in that situation. And transition over to this Samaritan woman. This conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman. The woman at the well. Familiar passage. Just as important as Nicodemus. Or it wouldn't be there. The message behind these two different texts, these two different life experiences, they do have some mere image, side by side, place by place, similarities, but yet the outcome is different. Nicodemus and the woman, a man and a woman. Meaning that we can find ourselves in both of these passages. Not one of us can excuse ourselves from either one of these stories by imagining that Jesus wouldn't have to talk to us like that. We wouldn't have to ask these questions, but this applies to all of us. To all of us. Jesus talked to this woman. He talked to many women throughout his ministry. But this was a Samaritan woman. Nicodemus was a Jew. The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds, pagans, and heretics. There was hatred on both sides between both of them. They didn't like each other. Nicodemus, he's over here with the Pharisees. He had all the inside connections. He had all the resources. He had everything at his fingertips. He comes at night. This woman, this everyday woman, a Samaritan woman, She's married, she's divorced many times, she doesn't even bother with a ceremony anymore, she's just with another man. A Samaritan woman that is during, going about her daily activities during the day, during the daylight, just making her water run to the well. Run to the well, get some water again, disgraced woman. She arrives at the well, and there Jesus is, in broad daylight. She begins minding her own business. She's drawing the water, getting her bucket down there in the well. She's pouring it up, and Jesus speaks. She probably didn't want to speak to anybody. She didn't even want to recognize. She probably didn't want him seeing her. She didn't want to see him. But Jesus speaks. Will you give me a drink, he says. He's crossing the line, isn't he? 
But there's no lines in the eyes of Jesus. We're all men and women in need of a Savior. We're all sinners. So he's talking to all of us. But yeah, he's crossing the line for that day and time. He's speaking to the hated mixed race and a woman, someone living in sin, someone living in public places with just any old another man. But Jesus, he went to the cross to cross all barriers for all, all of us and all people. To bring us a gospel that would cross all barriers. A gospel that, was, that is to reach all people, every race, social position, every society, to wash away all sins. Jesus didn't even tell her anything she didn't know about herself. Jesus tells, speaks the truth. He knows that in spite of her sin, in spite of her shame, this woman is still special to him. He loves her. He cares about her. And because he makes her realize by these questions and his attention that she's special, her worldly blinders and the muck and the cloudiness of her life and in her eyes and her mind and her thinking begins to clear up. She begins to realize, who is this man? There's something about this man. This man is different. He knows things. He knows me. And I've never met him before. There's something different about this man. Nicodemus, he went looking for Jesus. Nicodemus called him a rabbi. This woman was not looking for Jesus. She's just trying to get through another day of her horrible life. And Jesus and this Samaritan woman, they talk. And as you've heard the scripture passage, they talk about worship. They get right to worship. Nicodemus never talked about where and when and how to worship. But this woman, they get right to the, right to the heart of the matter. Well, we're supposed to worship here. You worship over there. Where are we to worship you, Lord? He says, worship in spirit. Now about the locations, about you worship in spirit. If you were to go on and read more of that chapter... There in verse 25, it picks up. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. And what did Jesus say? I am he. And she believes. She believes and it's, get out of here. No way, man. I've heard about the Messiah coming all these years and now you say you are him? And she believes him. And she runs back to town. She tells everyone, she tells everyone, people that hated her, people that shunned her, people that had used her, she tells everyone, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. If you was to read on there, in verse 29, tells us that she believed it. She believed it to be so. What a difference from Nicodemus the guy on the inside, the guy that had everything, the guy that knew all the rules and all the tradition, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it when Jesus says, what Jesus tell him, ye must be born again, you must be born again. 
So Nicodemus, he, he leaves the conversation with Jesus more confused than ever. But this woman that had a horrible life and confused by why did everything turn out in such a mess, I'm a, I'm, I'm a horrible person, made horrible decisions. But she leaves a changed woman despite her reputation, despite what the world had done to her and all that had happened to her. And when she goes back to town, the people listen to her. They listen to this Samaritan woman. They take her up on her invitation, and they go out to meet Jesus. So who just did the most ministry? Nicodemus dragging his feet back to his palace, to his room, his quarters, or this woman that ran into town hooting, shouting, I found Jesus. Come and meet Jesus. You know the Messiah that we've been hoping for and longing for? That we've heard about? He's here. Sociologists of religion put it this way. Everyone, everyone they say, believer or non-believer, all alike, believes in sin. Everyone realizes they're not perfect. They, they go on to say, not everyone, however, believes in forgiveness. And that's huge, isn't it? Not everyone believes in forgiveness. And that's a challenging, hard place if we find ourselves there. If we find ourselves in a place where we believe we can't be forgiven. But Jesus knows you can't be forgiven because he's the one that forgives you. Jesus looks at that woman at the well with compassion and he cuts right to the point. Yep, you're a mess. She knows she's a mess. Everyone else in the world knows she's a mess. But here's this stranger, Jesus. He looks in the woman's eyes and he can see through the mess. And then she could see beyond the mess that he was the Messiah. And she feels liberated. She's excited. And she's compelled to tell others. Nicodemus, he had a plan. He went and found Jesus. He had a nighttime conversation. He started the conversation. He left the conversation he didn't get that peace or that joy of knowing the Messiah. He's that left-sided brain man where his logic and that function to have that logic of understanding everything wouldn't allow his heart to let Jesus in. But this Samaritan woman over here who had no plan to meet Jesus, no desire to meet Jesus, she meets Christ. And he greets her. He starts the conversation and gives, and they talk about everyday information. And in her eyes, her eyes are pointed to Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah that she had heard about all her life, the long-awaited Messiah that she'd always hoped for, that maybe would give her some hope to live another day, hope that she was worth something,
and he talks to her. Jesus was right there with her. And she couldn't wait to tell anyone else. Church, where are we? Where are you? Are you over there with Nicodemus? Are you over there stuck in the left brain mode? Or are you over here with the Samaritan woman with Jesus in your heart and excited to go tell somebody else? You can only answer that question for yourself. God knows where you are. God knows where we are as a church. If we're not with that Samaritan woman, we better get over there. We better get Jesus in us. And we better be ready to do some work for him. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we need to give our hearts to you every day. Every day we have a choice to serve thee or to serve ourselves. Oh, Lord, some days are more more emotional than others. Some days we have more struggles than we do other days. Some days, Lord, the disappointments are so real and so huge and so heart-cutting and wrenching. It just brings us physically to a point of weakness. And the physical needs are so real, Lord, that we get sick. And then we realize the spiritual needs are so real that we wonder if we can even be healed, that we, if we can even be forgiven. But Lord, may we know and embrace your word that Jesus, your Son, our Lord and Savior, he forgives. His mercy and your grace, Lord, are abundant. So Lord, as we go from this place of worship today, lead us, lead us today, Lord Jesus, in a complete faithfulness, in a complete holy righteousness. And Lord, keep leading us until every last one of us, each and every one of us, would be whole and that your church would be wholly yours. So, Lord, this I now pray and I ask in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. And in your name I pray. Amen.